This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin early on a Thursday. It is a podcast special. No live show this week. We're not in the six to seven time slot with the Brewers playing their home opener at 414. But a podcast special. We'll be doing this whenever the Brewers have a game and we can't move the show to another night during the week. But Zach, hello to you. How are you? Doing good, Ben. Thank you. Um, how has it been again at football spring practice? I'm jealous I haven't been able to make it down there. Yeah, I mean, you were too busy in watching Colin Kaepernick throw footballs at Michigan uh, the weekend that the weekend day that you could have come. So you chose to pick, chose to look at Michigan football instead of Wisconsin football. Interesting decision. I think it speaks a, a lot about to who you are, which is fine. But uh, for the people that have, uh, you know, do cover Wisconsin football, we have been at Wisconsin football practice. We've seen seven of them. By the time you're listening to this, it'll have been eight. And uh, the offense is showing signs of life. I think Ooh. that is probably the uh, the takeaway. Out of all the news I wanted to hear, I think that might be like the news I would yeah. want to hear more than anything. But in terms of I've addressed this Michigan thing, I would call that research. I, I would say I was doing on field, uh, on the ground, big J boots on the ground research. But I mean, Michigan skill positions are scary. I took away a little bit, you know, and we didn't talk about this last week. I was at the Michigan spring game a couple weekends ago. And the, uh, the only thing I could think of while I was there was I was so mad. Wisconsin doesn't have a spring game. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, the people, I mean, let's just be fair about it. There are probably not a ton of people that are going to come out and watch Wisconsin football in a spring game. They've had spring games. Uh, they've had spring. The last big one that they had that I think actually drew people was probably like 2008 or 2009, where there were, I think, maybe 15,000, 20,000 people there. But for the most part, it's like 5,000 people. It's just not worth it. And Paul Christ, all the things that, um, go into that it's just not it's just not his, his thing and yet if they could do it i'm sure they would i'm sure they'd have an opportunity for people to come out and watch the team but there's nowhere to do it this year um right. with with camp randall being renovated right i mean the way i looked at it and maybe it's more of a production at michigan and there obviously was the intrigue there of colin kaepernick throwing at halftime i know a lot of people were there to see that but i was looking at it and i thought about it it would be it's a great time for recruits to possibly be on campus to see the school uh, and see what the scene is like. It's great for the fans to maybe see the team early off in the year and for recent alums to also be back and kind of draw more interest in the program. But I get it. I mean, it, I haven't homecoming. been here. Yeah, you're it's right. Homecoming. Like people aren't coming back for the spring game or anything like that. I, the thing is, look at the weather. Look, look if they had done this, it's going to be in like the forties there. The people are just not going to come out and enjoy themselves. I know that other places do it uh, and have a lot of success doing it. Um, it's just never going to be a thing at Wisconsin. And I apologize, but it kind of goes to the same thing with the students around the court at basketball games. Just stop. It's not going to happen. It's never <laughs> going to, it's never going to be a thing. So just stop um, complaining about it in my, I shouldn't say it. You can complain about all you want, but I think it's, it's exactly like that. It's, it's not going to change. I part of my view is definitely skewed from being at the Michigan game and seeing the scene there 
because a lot of people were there, but it was a really nice day. I wouldn't say I'm over the top. Like this is the end of the world. I wish they had one. I just thought it was a nice thing for the program to do. And it would be a perfect opportunity for something very minor to happen. That doesn't matter. Like someone playing left guard or someone playing left tackle or a Graham Mertz having a couple bad passes, a perfect opportunity for the rest of the country. Cause Everybody looked at the Nebraska spring game and the Michigan spring game, tried to take all these things away from it, even though we're obviously far from the season. It would be a great way for everybody else around the Big Ten to look at one thing about the team that probably isn't true and just run with it for months. I would have fun yeah. watching that happen. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I, another reason why I'm sure Paul Chris is just fine with not having one. Um, he <laughs> is. Yeah, I, I, I get the allure of it, but it's just. It's just not Wisconsin under Paul Chris. Maybe it changes under a different head coach, but they didn't have a ton of success with it uh, with with uh, Gary Anderson either. And I'm pretty sure uh, if you ask him that Barry Alvarez, going back to the spring of 2002, when Lee Evans tore his ACL in the game, was completely fine with never doing anything worthwhile with the spring game ever again. So again, it's the, really I, if you want to point to a single day that changed how people thought about, I, I think UW changed how they thought about spring game. It's probably a lot of different days, but I'd point to that day as, as a big one. Like it's just the, that could have happened anytime during spring ball, but that it happened in that environment on that field. I kind of think that that probably started uh, souring some people on spring games. Yeah, I get it. The injury part is probably the biggest thing. I was listening to people recapping the Nebraska one. And their first takeaway was no one got seriously hurt. And if you're doing that, then it makes sense why it's not the most necessary thing. Like <laughs> Honest, uh, yeah, honestly, though, that could be the same thing I could say coming out of every single practice is nobody got hurt. Nobody got, uh, you know, knocked for the rest of the season. Like the biggest news this spring has been the loss of uh, Travion Blaylock. And that may not even be a, a long term injury, but coming out of spring is you want to get guys a lot of reps and you want to get them to uh, get out of their not hurt. And the same thing goes for fall camp. You want to accomplish a lot of different things, but having a health, a full and healthy team is the most important thing come September 3rd. Well, the big news, obviously Travion Blaylock, but also you saying that you thought the defense could be close to the level of last year. Yeah, that's probably not on the same level, but uh, it's, I mean, they're, they're comparable. Certainly. I think, I think I can see the Travion Blaylock news from where I, where I'm sitting uh, with my take. Yeah. Trying to make headlines here. Um, yeah, but there was there was another uh, really sad and unfortunate piece of news. Wisconsin running backs coach from last season, Gary Brown, uh, passed away last week. And I didn't want to spend that much time because we've seen, I saw Jeff Patrikas had a good article about it. There's a lot written, um, a lot of the reactions from those within the program. But I mean, I, I saw this. It was heartbreaking news. He was dealing with illness since the end of last season. But I saw, I mean, people around the Wisconsin program, recruits even who had visited. And then you go through the NFL to the Jason Garrett to the world and everybody he had worked with. I think Tom Clements even mentioned it in his press conference yesterday. The outpouring of love for the person he was. Um, it's one of those things that kind of gives you perspective and it shows how special of a human people are. Um, so it, really heartbreaking news that that. uh came down late last week or early this week. I don't know. My days are completely confused, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really sad. We we knew that he wasn't going to coach running backs this year, obviously, with Al Johnson being hired and him stepping away. But um, really sad to to hear that news this week. It's really unfortunate because it's clear based on what everything we saw in the outpouring of support for him, as you mentioned, just so many different people coming forward and he touched so many different lives throughout his time as a coach, throughout his time as a player. And then obviously in his very short time, Wisconsin certainly made an impact and it, um, it it sucks. I mean, I I, I can't be eloquent about it. It does. It sucks. Um, And yet when you look at the outpouring of support and then you see some of the, these memories and stories about him coming up, I, I, I love that aspect of this. Um, because I mean, there was, there was a post from, and, and I'm sure he, his smile was just amazing. And I'm sure he'd be smiling when he saw this post, it was from, uh, the big 33 game, which is between, uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, the best, uh, players in both States. And they, they play against each other. And he was in the game in the 1970s and he had just a wicked Jerry curl. It was uh, amazing. And I loved it. And he had this big smile on his face, the same smile that we saw every time we talked to him. And I feel like he would have gotten a laugh out of that picture being brought back up. Um, but it was just, it was awesome. Uh, he was in um, a really cool guy to talk to. Didn't got, obviously get to know him a ton because he was only there for a year, but it's so clear that everything he did at Wisconsin uh, made an impact, not just on his own players, but you could see it wasn't just running backs that were coming out and, and talking about how they're um, how he impacted them. Yeah, and it's one of those moments as someone who I never met him personally, but it's one of those things that you go through and read everything about it and you feel like you did um, or you felt some sort of connection, even though I had never uh, met him. So thoughts and prayers to, to his entire family and, and everyone that was close with him. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Moving on, uh, Wisconsin landed a transfer. Wisconsin basketball got news. Kamari McGee, UW-Green Bay, uh, he had played one year there and is now a Wisconsin Badger. Figures to be Zach, my first reaction, and we'll go from there. My first reaction to this news was he seems to be somewhat of a Lorne Bowman replacement, backup point guard on this team going forward, and then maybe he moves into a starting role but it wasn't one that I was head over heels like, oh, God, they just found the next impact starting wing. They found what they needed. They found they needed. I mean, we saw what happened in the in the tournament when they lost Chucky Hepburn. They had no backup point guard. Brad Davison being forced to switch over there. It just it not that the offense was rolling along by any stretch at that point. They did have a lead, but they did have a lead, by the way, at that point. But uh, it's not like the offense was playing amazing. But Chucky was so important because Lauren hadn't been there for a month. And so for them to not have Chucky and then not have Lorne, it really messed with things. And I, you know, and I don't think Kamara McGee is just going to be, I don't think he has Lorne Bowman's talent, but I think he's going to be present. And that's important. Certainly uh, Lorne announcing that he's uh, transferring and he trans- announces transfer to Oakland, which is closer to home, which is awesome. And he's going to be able to, um, you know, have that family support closer and, and be able to, you know, get his, um, get his mind where it needs to be able to play basketball, which is the most important thing for him. He needs to be, you know, healthy that respect, but for Wisconsin, Kamar probably not going to be at that level, but what they get from him is a guy that 
especially down the stretch, really started to play well offensively. And it gives them a body to potentially play next to Chucky, but also uh, to spell Chucky. And he averaged what, close to 12 points a game for the year, but was upwards of uh, 18 points a game in the last five, five games, including shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. And those numbers were significantly higher than he had been earlier in the year. I think him as a uh, complimentary piece is a lot better than him having to be a focus point, which is kind of what he was towards the end of the season or for in a lot of stretches uh, for Green Bay. Yeah, and we also saw the lack of, you mentioned the lack of guard depth. It also kind of popped up throughout the year, not only in that NCAA tournament game, but with Bowman being on and off and uh, dealing with sickness as well, Jacoby Neath was kind of in and out at times. The depth is definitely important, but I looked at it as a, Lauren Bowman-esque impact the first year in terms of backup guard, but without the ceiling. I definitely think Bowman is more talented as a player. Um, but you were spot on about it. It was a situation that was that became clear. It's like it, it probably wasn't going to work with, with him at Wisconsin, even though he did show really good spurts of play uh, when he was there. So looking at the roster now, um, Brett, uh, Johnny Davis, Brad Davison, Chris Vogt, Lauren Bowman, and Ben Carlson are all gone of the people that played minutes and then you add Moores in there as well. Uh, I look at the roster now and this is not now you could have looked at this move and thought, oh, why is this the move that guard made? But this is not going to be the only or I it can't be the only because I look at this team. They still need a backup four uh, with upside of possibly playing uh, more minutes than Ben Carlson did last year. Shooting from the guard positions also a scoring wing. Maybe someone could fill both of those roles, but they need both of that. And then somewhat of a backup five. Um, I was looking through the roster at Hepburn, Wall, and Crowell, obviously looking to start next season. And then you have McGee now off the bench with Jacoby Neath, Jordan Davis, and then hopefully transfers because you have Marcus Alver in there. You have Isaac Lindsay. You have Chris Hodges. But I don't really know where they'll slot in when the season starts. I don't really know where, how far they'll come from what their roles were this season to step forward. So what do I think guard still has to do? I mean, two impact transfers in the starting five and maybe another off the bench. Uh, th this team, even with this addition of McGee, and it's clear guard has been talking to a lot of people in the portal and visits are set up, but this is not close to the last move he's going to have to make. No, I mean, when you have guys go out, get to replace them, right? And they have playing time in certain spots available. Certainly um, in the backcourt, I don't, again, I don't think Kamara McGee is going to be the answer there. Um, but you have three guys that are going to, are your returning starters and Chucky and Tyler and Steven, and you got to fill pieces around them. I think certainly a guy that could either spell Tyler or perhaps start at the three, if, if you're going to leave Tyler at the four, which is completely fine, he can do that. He can play either spot. And it, I, I keep on saying three and four and, and that different. In, in college basketball, and I think even in the pros, positions don't nearly matter as much as they probably used to, but you still need to have some of the size at uh, at those spots to be able to match up and the actual skill to be able to match up there. I think um, Matthew Moores and Ben Carlson would probably agree with that, uh, and it's probably why they're not with them anymore. A couple of interesting names, obviously, and as we talk about this on, on Wednesday night, uh, Grant Basile. A transfer from uh, Wright State is going to be visiting Wisconsin. And he's uh, from Pewaukee and he averaged 18 points a game and, you know, shot nearly 50% from the field. He wasn't a great three point shooter, but he's a guy that's 6'9, 225, can, can play in the front court. And you also have Ben 
uh, Vanderplas from Ohio, who's in the transfer portal and is also going to be visiting Wisconsin. And he's another guy that can kind of step out and shoot it. He's six, eight, about two thirty, and also from Wisconsin. And I think that's that they're, I don't, I don't necessarily think they can bring both of them in, but maybe one of the two, they get them and, uh, and be able to plug them in and, and get a ton of minutes from them. But you're right. They, they do, I think need to add another big, that can fill in for Steven Crow. We saw that needed this year with Steven, um, with, uh, uh, Chris vote, Chris vote. Thank you. And, uh, and then also, you know, another, another guard. So, I mean, they have three scholarships available and I think they're going to use them all. I saw today that Vanderplas had narrowed his list down to Illinois, Iowa state, Ohio state, Virginia, Virginia tech, and Wisconsin. So, Guard's definitely out there doing it. I want to ask your thoughts on, so yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Illinois guard um, and Della Field, Wisconsin native. I'm going to butcher the name, but I'm going to try. Branded Podzemski Mm -hmm. uh, is transferring away from Illinois. Now, he was a highly rated guy. I think the number three player in the state of Wisconsin in the class of 2021 went to Illinois. Wisconsin did not offer out of high school. But I was thinking about the fit, and he's someone who's he's transferring away from Illinois because they brought in a couple highly touted guards, and his playing time was definitely in question. And the guy that recruited him, pretty much the minute he arrived on campus, that guy left to go to Kentucky. So the situation kind of, you could see that it had the chance not to work. So he's in the portal. He's a guy that can shoot. He's 6'5 guard. I really like the fit. I don't know if, it's one that either side, Wisconsin or him, will go out and try to make work because it wasn't a guy Wisconsin offered out of high school. There isn't that base of communication, but it's a fit that I think would really work for the team. Do you do you remember him at all coming out of high school and whether there was, I obviously they didn't offer, but whether there was the interest or whether there was thoughts of why didn't Wisconsin go after him? I think that there was very little interest on his part uh, of coming to Wisconsin. and. I think that is probably a good reason why uh, he uh, wh- why he wasn't offered. Um, he had offers from some of the top programs in the country coming out. I mean, if you look at it, he had offers from Marquette. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> not, a, not a top program, but he did have an offer for him. But no, he had offers from Kentucky and Kansas. I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, re- hooked back up with the guy that did recruit him at uh, at Illinois that ended up at Kentucky and could potentially go there. That's a possibility. I think, I think, um, I guess I would be very, very surprised if he ended up at Wisconsin. Like, I don't necessarily think that that is where he would, uh, where he would go. But again, who knows? The thing is they, they had literally, I mean, they, there was very little contact. Like, yeah. I, I think maybe he made it clear to them that, that he wasn't interested in. They just didn't even pursue it whatsoever. Um, he, it felt like he was kind of a late, a late bloomer too. Um, that not that he came out of nowhere, but he, I mean, he, he blew up into a bigger prospect than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. Now we've seen with Vander Plass, with Basile, with a lot of the guys, a lot of the people Wisconsin is connected to in the portal are also people they offered coming out of high school. Um, I believe they sent offers to both of them, but I remember looking through, I'm almost definite that they did to Basile, but I, you could see guards, MO kind of in the portal. It's guys that he had already known ones that may reconsider whether they want to come to Wisconsin. Now 
I don't know. I look at Podzemski. I think that is how you say the name. It would be a splash. Like that would but, be. Uh, some, yeah, of, of course, you, it'd be a splash. I mean, of course, of course, it would be a splash. Of course. But you, it, it actually has to work. You know what I mean? Like it actually I shouldn't say it has to, it. The two sides have to actually have interest in one another. And I'm not saying that it's it's out of the realm of possibilities, but based on what happened in high school where there was just zero you know, barely anything, it would lead you to believe that um, that this would probably not be the way to go. But again, maybe things have changed. I the 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 idea that of what happened with Johnny Davis, right, with his ability to um, be able to take over and them run the offense through him and not be the uh, we fit guys into our system, Wisconsin, that some people thought that guard was going to do. Johnny Davis had had some freedom. And maybe that changes some people's opinions about what Wisconsin is. We talk, we've talked about this. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but in this case, if it did, then maybe that is part of what he would be thinking about. But again, I, I, I don't, I, I do not know a ton about uh, Brandon Podzimski. I don't. Um, when, if, if Wisconsin doesn't go after somebody, I, I rarely uh, go and look in uh, into their game. I just, for whatever reason, I just don't, but, um, so I don't know everything about him. I'm admitting that forthright. Uh, but it just feels like that's not a fit because it wasn't, it wasn't a fit, you know, a year ago. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I kind of look at it from his perspective and take, put aside for a second, the other schools that could be in play, but if minutes and having a significant role in the offense are what he wants, I mean, Wisconsin has the most wing minutes available, probably of anybody. Take away the mid-majors where a lot of their players transferred out. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm rooting for it. If something comes up there where Wisconsin pursues him, that's something I'm going to look into deeper. But I, I do understand the way that guard A attacks the portal with guys that he has previously known or just the fact that he might not want to come here at all and, and never has. I saw a discussion about... Uh, how surprising it was that he didn't want to come to Wisconsin as a, you know, Wisconsin born person, but maybe well, we need I mean, to go in and ask him if he was a Marquette fan in high school, but he had an offer from them too. Yeah. Well, I should say he had an offer from them. I would go to Illinois over Marquette. I don't really blame him there. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have a, I don't really have a comment on either one of those. I mean, that's, that it's kind of picking from, huh the bottoms of, of uh, where I personally would be okay with. I'm surprised, you know, Shaka Smart watched me play once. I'm surprised that I was never on the radar. That was when I'm not. at VCU. I'm not. <laughs> Mid-major <laughs> that's, team, Shaka Smart. That, that's, that's when he was uh, recruiting your boy Hunter, right? No, he was there to watch guys that we were playing against. And uh, then, like a lot of coaches, realized that the best player on the court was actually on our team. Yeah, not, and, and not you. Yeah. Oh, not even. Well, I wasn't on the court. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. I, he watched my JV game. I, I bet you, I, I bet you killed it in warm ups, though. I was okay in warm ups. I think I, I put up like 17 in front of him in the JV game. I mean, we we're Oof. playing. Watch out. Not the most athletically gifted basketball team of all time. A senior playing on the JV? That's kind of weak. No, I, no, I was a sophomore. I bet. Hmm. Uh, Zach, one other name before we switch over to football Antonio Reeves. He's a guy a lot of people are talking about, Illinois State guard. I saw recently he's heard from LSU, a lot of schools, but among them, 
LSU, Texas Tech, Xavier, Alabama, Kentucky, North Carolina, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Um, and you throw Missouri and UConn and a couple others in there. That's another one of the splashes where if guard can land him, that then my outlook on what the team can be might change a little bit. Like where do you think that scoring wing? I was going to ask you, where do you, where do you think he was last weekend? Um, I would guess Kentucky. He was at Nebraska and at, and Oh, I saw that the the spring spring game. You're kidding. When he, yeah, he visited at the spring game. I don't, I don't know if that was this past weekend or the weekend before, I think it might've been the weekend before. So, Um, but yes, he went to the spring game. Zach, number one, I mean, spring game, a beautiful time to bring possible recruits, not only football on campus, but number two, I don't know if he'll now go to Nebraska because their offense looked pitiful. Uh, wouldn't that suggest that there's a lot of opportunities for a guy of his skill set to be able to play a lot and have the ball in his hands a lot? Well, uh, no, I'm talking about their football offense. Oh, okay. I was th- okay, my bad. I was thought you're talking about their offense, offense, but I was like, uh, or their, their no, basketball in the offense. No. Game. Uh, so. The young man uh, from Texas, Mr. Richards, uh, Richardson, Missouri, Casey. No, Casey Thompson. Sorry. Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson. Yeah. Casey Thompson. Richardson. What are you doing, Zach? Uh, Casey Thompson. Not not uh, not ideal. It's the spring. I mean, some are crowning him as the next Adrian Martinez or maybe a, uh, a Walmart Adrian Martinez. Walmart Adrian Martinez. Really? But that's, I don't know. I like it. Nebraska is an interesting team. You, I bet you, well, hey, they're the best three-win team of all time. Well, they were the best three-win team of all time. Now they're going to be the worst seven-win team of all time. I bet. You got to find somewhere in the middle. <sighs> um, Antonio Reeves, a guy that Wisconsin did have contact with in high school, though um, the guy that uh, he was heavily involved with was Howard Moore from Chicago, and he's obviously from Chicago, and um, Howard Moore, uh, not with the program, though obviously his presence is still felt within the program, but um, that's another guy, but he has absolutely everybody after him. And it, that's, yeah. that's one of that, that's one of the things going to be extremely tough, but Hey, I mean, Johnny Davis, that's going to be yeah. brought up so much. And I, I mean, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah, like, no, you could, you could bring it up all you want. I mean, he, he went from a guy who is not a big 10 type player coming out of high school to a guy who has the ability to play in a major conference and it's the reason and score be a, a legitimate score in a, a major conference. So, yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a guy that shot 39% from three. Uh, he would have been the best three point shooter on Wisconsin's team this year by a wide margin. So, would so, I. so, eh, you, eh, no, 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 I would have been no, a top wouldn't. four three point. No, shooter. no, you wouldn't. Have. No, yes, you wouldn't. I would have. No, you wouldn't have. Do you go back in the archives there? I don't care. No, stop it. Stop. <laughs> this is the same thing. And for people that are listening to us, the podcast, our morning show with Nelson saying he could beat, <laughs> he could beat Ethan Happ at a free throw contest. And I'm like, no, you couldn't. Yeah, you that's didn't see, wrong. You didn't see him in practice. Like the, he did not, he, he did not miss in practice very often. I guarantee you he would beat him in a, in a uh, free throw contest. And I guarantee you, based on watching just a little bit of practice, you would not have outshot four guys on that team. That's true. So it's stop. true. But I stop. Say, I'm saying it jokingly. 
Nelson's you're now not, on though. a crusade. You're not, at, though. You're you're not. You feel no. I, I don't think you are. I feel like you probably think you could. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Top exactly. Four, top four is generous. No, I could realistically look at it and put myself towards the bottom, but not at the bottom. Who could you shoot better than Tyler Wall in a game? Absolutely not. Well, I I could shoot better than him. Not when there's a six eight guy guarding me. <laughs> that's slight, like I'm five eleven. That's a slight problem. That's going to be a slight problem going into that. You kind of yeah. it's, it's got to be a, kind of a part of the game. But because if people if everyone, guarded if me it, like they guard Tyler Wall, then no one's ever going to cover me outside. If everyone could uh, shoot it like they did in warmups or shoot it like they did in an empty gym, you'd have a lot of people shooting seventy and eighty percent from three. I think I could shoot better than Chris Vote. That's a possibility. Okay, there you go. Not last. Um, I said Nelson, that's a possibility, and I guarantee by any stretch. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, we won't see, but no, now I'm going to think about it. I'm going to find some good comp. Um, but Nelson is now on a crusade that uh, Dave Roberts took out Clayton, Clayton Kershaw with a perfect game. He's now on a crusade because Kershaw wanted to go or understood going out because of the pitch count and the shortened offseason and the shortened spring and his injury history that he said Clayton Kershaw should retire because he's not chasing perfect games. What are you going to do? The guy's full of crap. You're home to talk about the Badgers. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Spring football, Zach. Uh, and I, I think I'm going to throw some break music in to, to break the podcast up when I post it. But this was the start of the spring football segment. And I ask you, as we did last week, your one big yeah. spring practice takeaway from the week. Now, disclaimer, this does not include Thursday because we're taping this on Wednesday, but from Saturday and Tuesday, or maybe overall, your big spring practice takeaway. Yeah, this is tough because I gave the biggest one possible last week. It was and I long. don't know. I don't know if I can top that. But what, what I, uh, I will say is, and this may not be breaking news, but Bob Bostad is going to make that a better offensive line than they've had the last. Mm, I even I can't even know. I don't even know how far I'm going to go back, but the line is going to be better than it was last year and the year before, and it's got a chance to be one of the better ones of the Paul Christ era. I don't even know if that's a, a huge takeaway, but I love the way Bob Bostad talks about it. I love the way that Bob Bostad goes about coaching and getting after guys and getting after their asses and not uh, allowing for mistakes. And we saw that we've seen that throughout spring, but we learned about it this week is every penalty you have is a gasser. And for those unaware of what gassers are, it's 50 yards across the field, 50 yards back. And uh, in some places it's down and back and down and back. But uh, with this, with this, it's just, 50 yards across and 50 yards back. And so after every single practice, you count up the total penalties and it's not by player. It's not a single player running it. It's every offensive lineman having to run it. So they've been running quite a few gassers this spring, but I, I love, I know people who are like, hey, you're, that's such an old time mentality, but it is, you have to, you have to coach offensive line a certain way. It can't, you can't uh, be patting guys on the butt. I don't, in my opinion, offensive line has to be coached a certain way. And Bob Bostad coaches it a certain way. 
And uh, what we've seen so far to this point, with some of the moves that he's made, moving guys around, he's going to put them in their best spot, but also going to put them, uh, he's not going to be like, is this their best spot for their, their future? Like, what's their best spot for their future career somewhere else? It's about what's best for this Wisconsin team. And I don't necessarily think that was always being done in the past. So you talked about the outside linebackers a lot last week and the defense. Have you seen a, a, a significant improvement in any way of how the offensive line, and I'll say this, that they are not the five that we will see, obviously. No Joe Tipman through a lot of it. Jack Nelson's been in and out. But have you seen a, a, an improvement or movement towards the offensive line becoming more dominant? I think that there have been signs. And again, you're right. It's not the offensive line we're going to see. I will guarantee you right now, the starting five that we have seen in spring will not be the starting five we see in the fall. Even taking away Joe Tipman, throw Joe Tipman in at center, and that's still not the group you're going to be seeing in the fall. I would be shocked if it's the same group that we've been seeing all spring. That's I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll just say that. But yes, we have saw some inside drills on Saturday morning. It's essentially nine on seven. It's the offensive line, the backs, the tight ends uh, against the front seven. Sometimes we'll throw an extra safety in there to make it a little bit easy to make it a little bit uh, more fair, but they are blown guys off the line. Uh, there were times that Braylon Allen was not getting touched and that's not supposed to happen in an inside drill because you know, they're running the ball and you know, they're running it inside there. This is not uh, toss left and toss right stuff. This is right up the middle, you know, uh, off tackle, some guard stuff like that. That's what it is. And they blew some guys off the ball and they did the same thing on Tuesday as well. So I think that there is progress being made. It's certainly not where it, it needs to be um, to be able to be the dominant group that we, that uh, Wisconsin fans have come to accept. And, you know, Bob Bostad caught himself when he was talking about this last week, but he said, we need to get back to, and then he caught himself, but I almost want to, I almost want to guarantee he said, we need to get back to being dominant. We need to get back to what it was. And um, that's what I think he brings to it. Hmm. Wow. I love that. And I mean, that's, we talked about it last week. When you look at the pressure of the offense going into next year, who has the most pressure on them to succeed and make the offense to the, bring it back to what it was say 2019 or even 2017. And both stats slash the offensive line was both of our number ones because it is the most important, but those, I mean, those words are encouraging. I'll say that. Um, I saw a tweet and I think this was on Saturday. Maybe it was Tuesday morning. All right. You know what, Zach? It was Tuesday. Um, I was prepping the Bill Michaels show. And as I sit in the chair to start it is when a lot of you guys tweet out what you saw during practice because practice ends. Um, and I, I don't know when it ends, maybe around 950 or 955. Then I see the tweets at 1003, 1005. And I saw a tweet that Jordan Turner is now running with the wanted inside linebacker. And I tweeted out uh, the gif of um, the Joker in the Batman of, oh, here we go. Because he's a guy out of all of the people I watched on that defense when they came in as replacements in the bowl game or whenever at that position, he was the guy that I thought it's like, that is the, the guy at the position next year. He is going to start. He is going to be inside linebacker one, if you will. Um, do you think that, it means he is now locked in that he has played 
at that he's now with the ones. I don't want to say locked in because it's the spring. Um, I'm thinking about how to how to form the question. But do you do you yeah. think the move with the top two and the ones is significant, or it's just you know they're trying different things out? It's the spring. Guys are moving around. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to decipher because we know what Bill Sheridan said about his depth chart. He said it's based on snaps from last year. So the fact that women on and Tate grass had the most snaps, they were running with the ones and then Jordan Turner and Jake Cheney with the twos and all that stuff. And so, you know, changing that up, I don't know if it's just changing up the pairings to give guys some other work because then Muma was not even with the second group. He was down like with the third group. And I don't know if, has he been playing like that or they just want him to work with some different guys. I don't, that's the, it's tough to know. So I'll say that, Ben, but I will agree with you that I felt and I still feel Jordan Turner is a starting inside linebacker for this team come week one. He is uh, their, I, I, I think they're most athletic. I think they're one of their more um, uh, active and, you know, aware guys that is going to be able to make plays and fill, uh, fill the holes that, you know, Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn did. Now you're never going to see, I don't think you're ever going to see a more productive pairing than what they got from those two guys last year, but the front that they have and the issues that the outside guys are going to have, it's they're not going to be able to focus on so much on those inside guys. So they're going to be plays available. I think Jordan Turner is a star. I think he's one of the next faces of this defense. Um, so I expect it. I, I, I don't know if it means anything that he's with the ones, but I think he will be with the ones come uh, Illinois. What is it? Illinois state on September 3rd. RJ isn't listening to this, so he can't DM you. Yeah, I know, but I was, it, it was Illinois state though, right? Uh, I think so. Okay. I think I stood Southern Illinois last week. Um, and he was all up in my DS. Yes, stuff, it is uh, Illinois state. Yeah. On September 3rd, Redbirds, I believe. Um, oh, Zach, there's one, so. there's one play I look back to with Jordan Turner. And I think one way to describe Leo Chanel's play and Jack Sanborn, for that matter, against the run, is they were missiles. Like, against Purdue, Leo Chanel was blowing up runs where he wasn't close to the play, and then, bang, he's in the backfield meeting somebody. Or they try to go to the outside, and he's there. The one play against Arizona State where Jaden Daniels, who, pretty impressive running quarterback, he's good with his legs, tries to scramble and tries to get to the outside, and Jordan Turner runs him down from the middle of the field to stop. I, it was a really significant point in the game, and it was a big stop. Is that at that point where I was like, okay, yep, he's the guy, um, yeah. which is important because you talked about how deep and talented outside linebacker is. They're obviously really good up front with Benton and experience coming back there. The secondary, which we'll talk about in a second. I mean, they bring in the transfers and they have the experience, maybe take away safety. We'll see about that position, but then it's inside linebacker. Who's going to be the guy. You're asking that question. No, I no, I was saying Jordan Turner is going to answer it, but oh, sorry, yes, that- I'm sorry, I got distracted. Um, yes, the fact that he was able to make that play. How many more? How many more of those guys? How many guys in that in that group could make that play right now? I would I say think, none. I think maybe athletically, like uh, Mumba might might be able to make it. Jake Cheney, maybe. Jake Cheney reminds me of Chris Orr, and I don't know if it's just because he's maybe a little undersized for the spot, but um, mm. he just does not give a, a, a crap and absolutely destroyed 
destroyed Julius Davis on a blitz on Saturday. It was maybe the biggest hit I've seen in camp or in spring so far. And then later, as Graham was running to the outside and running out of bounds, tripped him up. And that did not go over oh, <laughs> overly well, as you would imagine, with some of the offensive linemen. There have been more skirmishes between the two sides than I can remember in spring ball. I don't know if it's because they've been indoors the entire spring or whatever, but they've been getting after it. There have been uh, almost, almost fights every single practice. Hmm. Well, I like the so, fire, oh, I guess. Th- there's another takeaway. I probably should have used that one. I'm, uh, maybe I'll save that one for next week uh, in case I don't come up with anything else. But the fire yeah. and the, the, the vigor and the just pissed offedness, uh, that's not a, a term or a word, but I'm going to use it anyways. The pissed offedness of, of these two uh, of these players going against each other, it's almost every day. And uh, I, I kind of like it. I like it. So this is what's interesting because we saw, we see as years go by how prevalent the transfer portal is with guys that either have years of eligibility left or want to go to a new situation. But a lot of that we see maybe through the year. And then as the year ends, there is, I think, going to be another wave in a way of transfer portal guys after the spring, before the summer, as the season then progresses. Um, I don't know if this is a crazy takeaway to have from what you just said, but if, if the fire is there from both sides and spring practice is how you are describing it, and maybe this is also Wisconsin as a football program, but I don't know how many of those come from Wisconsin because we saw guys transfer out in the middle of the year, right? But I, if you go to like the SEC, if you go to Tennessee, I think they are far more likely to have multiple people transfer out because of their position than Wisconsin is. But that also is Wisconsin's culture. I don't know if it's a crazy take to have to hear what you just said about the fire at practice and think, you know, maybe they won't lose a couple depth guys to the portal. Yeah, I think this age of college athletes and I don't have a problem with it because coaches are able to do it. Why can't players do it? But I think they're more often and more willing to say, screw it and move on quicker Mm -hmm. than maybe they would in the past. And that uh, for we'll see after the spring, I think we're probably eh, kidding yourself a little bit. I think to believe that the culture is going to keep them here. It didn't keep guys last year. It didn't keep them in season last year. I don't know what would keep some of the guys around here. Unless, unless you just sit there and say the guys that left weren't culture fits to begin with. Like, are you, is that what we're trying to say here? I don't, I guess I wouldn't agree with that. They were culture fits when they signed and then apparently weren't when they got here. I, I, I don't think so. No, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Maybe the difference in the timeline of the year where when you're in the middle of a season, a guy like Devin Chandler wants to go somewhere else and find a significant role as a wide receiver Um, going in the middle of the year gives him obviously a better chance to find somewhere to go because of how loaded the portal is and how much time he would then have. But with spring that might change. I don't know. It was a half baked take. It is a half baked take, but no, no, I wouldn't call the guys that transferred out mid season, the non-culture fits by any measure. Maybe just the fact I, I, I am happy to hear, I guess that the fire is there in the spring. Um, and I mean, also, I think there is something to be said of last year was for the most part normal, but I think we are in terms of the college football calendar and COVID. I think we also are as the months go by, we are seeing more normal things 
normal activities, normal structures in the college football calendar, which would only, I guess, help guys stay and, and help uh, programs like Wisconsin be able to develop players. Yeah, here's hoping. And again, they, they have built some incredible talent depth at certain spots. And so if guys are not going to be able to get on the field or have been beaten out and they're still young or they're old and they got beaten out by somebody young, it's possible that they'll go elsewhere. I mean, we saw that with Caden Lyles. Like Caden Lyles knew he was not going to beat Joe Tipman out. It just wasn't going to happen. So he moves on. And I think that there's a possibility for that to happen at, at certain spots where young guys have jumped up and jumped over guys and maybe they are not going to get uh, enough opportunities that they believe they deserve and maybe they move on. I'm not certainly not pointing any like fingers at any potential position. I don't know that, but I'm saying with the ability to move on and not have to sit this year, that's yeah. certainly a it certainly opens it up a lot more. And um, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. Yeah. So uh, before we get out of here, there was a string of videos and this will be, this will be the focus on the cornerback room. And I guess the last thing before we move into next week, but um, down in the red zone, Chim Ray DK, Graham Mertz, one of the passes was intercepted. One was an impressive touchdown. I, it was when there's a clip shared on social media, like the Keontes Lewis touchdown from the first practice, it's going to be the most talked about one uh, around the people that are not actually at the practice itself. But did you have any overarching takeaways? Cause you mentioned the passing game looked really good. Do you have any overarching takeaways about what the cornerback room now looks like? So that was my uh, sequence of the day that I put in my practice report on Saturday. And the video that they sent out was in reverse of how it actually happened. I saw so, so what actually happened in that sequence and, and uh, for anybody that's, yeah, it was a red zone. They were both red zone plays and they ran a slot fade to Chim Ray DK and he beat Justin Clark and it was great ball from Graham Mertz and he caught it and he celebrated and it was like, okay, that looked really, really good, really good coverage from, from Justin Clark and something to learn from. Right. And so they come back in a later period, try to run the exact same route. Graham throws the exact same ball. Jim Ray's in the exact same spot. And this time, Justin Clark intercepts it. I think what that shows is, one, you're learning from stuff, but also the ability to compete. Uh, and Justin Clark has competed. And the same thing goes for Jay Shaw and Cedric Dort and Alexander Smith and uh, go on down the list. I love the, I really like the corners that they have. And we kind of talked about this last year, last week, I, Jay Shaw, Alexander Smith, Justin Clark. I think those are your top three. And I think Justin Clark ends up probably being your slot guy based on what I've seen in, uh, in spring so far, but uh, just the, the passing game has looked good. I don't necessarily think it's been an indictment of the, uh, of the cornerbacks. I think it's been some big time throws from Graham and some big time throws from chase and also some, really, really bad throws from chase and really bad throws from Graham like that. That's the way it's, that's the way it's been, especially the last uh, practice out or I should say um, the, the practice on Saturday, uh, the passing game looked as good as it had, but we also got uh, a share of turnovers that we probably hadn't seen yet in spring. Um, but that I always, I, this is a overarching thing, but I, I always struggle with, is this great or is this good? And the other thing is bad. Or is right. this thing, you know what I mean? I always struggle with that in, in the spring. But I do think that they have the cornerbacks, and we'll see what happens with the safeties, but they have the cornerbacks that I think are going to be able to match up as well, if not better, than they were last year. 
Wow. I, I mean, it was obviously a, a point of emphasis in the off season and they bring in three guys, but they also brought in three guys to a room that wasn't crowded. So you're not a lot of the times. And I mean, Dabo Sweeney talks about this and say what you want about him. But when you bring in a bunch of transfers, say to a position, cause you need it for a year, but then that's also a deep position of younger guys, then that could get others to then transfer out. But that was not the case with this cornerback room. Um, in yeah, terms yeah. of the passing game. So there were some, there was a lot of good, but there also were some turnovers. Did the good that I saw some good from the wide receivers. You mentioned some of the quarterbacks, I guess how we'll end if in some awful scenario, and I don't want to put it this way, but I have to, if Graham Mertz goes down. Oh, do you think there is anything there behind him? Um, Hmm. I think that there are some some good throws here and there. I think there's a lot, way too much inconsistency and a absolute in, in games that we've seen an absolute lack of um, ability to hang on the ball uh, and protect the ball. And so, if you're going to do that with Wisconsin, you're going to lose games. And that's what we saw in the first half of last season. They turned the ball over, lost games. I think Chase Wolf is your backup. Deacon Hill continues to have the biggest arm I think I've seen of a Wisconsin quarterback, maybe outside of Russell Wilson, but it just doesn't always go where it needs to. He'll have great throws one minute and horrible throws the next. Like he, he had guys running for cover after a throw the other day uh, on the sideline because it was so off mark. And then he comes back on the next one, throws a, a brilliant, amazing ball flowing to his left, you know, going to, you know, going against his body and, and being able to put it where it needed to be. Like, they are, yes, they're in trouble if Graham Mertz goes down. I think that they are, um, unless they have a dominant offensive line. And we'll see if that ends up being the case or not. Graham is their best hope for a, a very good offense. And I don't, don't think anybody really wants to see what it, what it would be if, if uh, it's going to be Chase long-term, because we've seen short snippets of it, and it, and it hasn't been great. Did Deacon Hill yell four on the throw? Uh, he should have. Out of bounds? He should have because honestly, man, seriously, guys went ducking for cover and yet he's able to come back on the next throw and, and just drill it right where it needs to be. It, sh it shows that he's got the ability, uh, but guys have that ability. And now it's, can you figure out how to do that more consistently? Cause he's got an arm that can put the ball wherever it absolutely needs to be. I, as I said, I don't think I, and I've only, I've been watching practice since 2013. I've uh, been watching Wisconsin football my entire life. And he's got as strong of arm as anybody as I've seen. Um, you know, Russell obviously was insane and could put the ball on a dot, and he's just at a different level than anything Wisconsin's ever had. But Deacon's got a huge, huge arm. I, I'm going to clip that little quote. What? He's got uh, as as big of an arm as uh, I've seen ever, and just leave out all the other context of of what yeah, you he, said. He probably will. He probably will. Lines. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. The positives, though, it, the passing game looking good and those comments about the offensive line, I feel good. And maybe I'm in football withdrawal and I need like I need games to talk about and I need teams and I need to look around the Big Ten and look at what's happening at every other place. Part of it is I'm in football withdrawal, but I don't know. I feel good about this group. I think there might be a little more doubt out there in the ether because of what we saw last year and maybe where the offense is in terms of personnel. Um, 
than there needs to be. If you I'm believe, in, I mean, if you believe in Graham Mertz or believe in his ability to reach potential that you think he has, then you have to, then you can feel good about this offense. If you have seen all you need to see of Graham Mertz, well, then you're going to be a pessimist and uh, not going to think that this offense is going to be able to do anything. I mean, that's, it's just, I think the way you look at it and I don't know how you feel about it, but I still think there's, I I've said forever. I've, I think there's greatness in him. I don't know about greatness still. Um, I think there's very good in him and it just has to, it just has to be more. It has to be more than what it was for stretches of last year. He needs to play more like he did in the final eight games and, and even better, obviously can't play the way he did against Minnesota and, and, and missing the throws that he did, or even missing the guys that were open that he did. I, he's got, very, I, again, Used to be greatness. I thought he had him. He's got very goodness. You know, mm. if that's uh, if that's allowable. Yeah, it is. I uh, I think I'm in the middle. I don't think I'm a believer at this point. Um, but at the same time, I do accept that a lot has been working against him throughout his career, at Wisconsin. And I thought it going into last year, and then maybe it didn't end up being the case. But I think this is another great opportunity for that step to finally be taken. Obviously, it needs to be taken this year, but when I look at the context of his career, it it leads me to think that there could be good things to come um, yeah. this season. All right, what, that's gonna. Can I throw one yeah. more thing in here? Absolutely. Braylon Allen, still good. Really? Yep. All right, I'll clip that part. <laughs> Zach's Zach's big spring practice takeaway. From the year, uh, Braylon Allen is a good running back. Still good. Still good. Looks okay. Hmm. All right. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm just going to pray. Honestly, Zach, I'm going to pray for health yeah. as we go well, through you- the summer. And as we get to the year, like I know what he is. I know I figure he could be a lot better than what I know he is, at yeah. least at the end of last year. I just pray for health. It's it was hilarious the other day. Uh, he it was a seven on seven and he went down to catch a ball and he didn't catch it. And someone like pushed him to the ground and he stayed down and everyone started. Oh no. Everyone started coming around him and he jumped up and ran back to the huddle. Cause he was, <laughs> he was just messing with him. He was just messing with him. Um, I said last he, year when he, when he went down and when he was getting tackled against Minnesota, every single time he hit the floor, I thought he was hurt. Well, he was, but, Oh, well, I know he was, but I thought like seriously, seriously hurt. Yeah, no, there have been there have been times this spring where you're just like, ooh, I do, ooh, ah, no, don't do that, don't do yeah. that. Uh, and and people, someone went after his, uh, went down low to try and tackle him uh, on Saturday, and they got him down, and then they had to deal with uh, a couple of offensive linemen coming over and and shoving, you know, knocking them to the ground. There have been there have been some. Uh, shot questionable shots from the defense, mm-hmm. not just on Braylon, on, on some other guys that have resulted in the, some of these, uh, some of these back and forth that have uh, almost come to uh, to significant blows. But um, thankfully for Wisconsin fans and for Wisconsin in general, the uh, running back that is going to be the key to the offense, all good right now, still healthy. All right, the news is good. That's going to do it for us. We're back next week, 6 to 7 p.m. on Thursday night. MadCitySportsZone.com, The Zone, Madison, everywhere you can find us, and the podcast will be up 
next week after the show. Uh, see ya. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.